This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Wednesday. Daphna, nutrition, hump day. Everything's good, right? It's good. Let's, the test let's is approaching. Get, it's coming. It's coming. But, you know, we still have some time and we've got um, a lot more topics uh, to cover. And we reviewed the highest yield topics first. So the topics with the highest percentages we have uh, reviewed earliest. So you can go back and re-listen to the things that are most likely to be on the test. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Question 19. Uh, compared to term breast milk, preterm breast milk contains A, fewer amino acids, B, less sodium and chloride, C, more lactose, D, more cholesterol, or E, more long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids. So you may think this is the same question we did yesterday, but it's not. Um, that question was about cow's milk formula as compared to human milk. This question is about term breast milk as compared to preterm breast milk. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are so confusing because you could do like, mm-hmm. like you said, you could do term versus preterm, cow's milk versus term. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just super confusing. Um, so, some of the differences that I remember from uh, preterm milk is that it has more um, proteins and electrolytes than term milk. That's that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. Even though the more protein it has, it's still not super efficient or it's not super, uh, it's not enough to to meet the demands of the preterm baby. So, so these are some of the things that um, can help you um, rule out a few of these things. So... Fewer amino acids, um, the answer is no. Less electrolytes like sodium chloride, no. Um, more lactose and more cholesterol, um, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think full-term baby has, full-term milk has, term milk has more lactose and cholesterol. Um, however, the amount of long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acid, um, I think that is a pro- another property of preterm breast milk um, that is correct. So I would say, I would say E, E is the one that makes sense to me. Right. So premature milk contains more protein, more sodium, and more chloride than term human milk. But even though it has more protein than term milk, it's still not enough because the baby, the fetus, what at that time, it should have been a fetus, is out here now with us. The baby needs so uh, much uh, more nutrition to be doing that uh, growth, which again, um, the growth rate increases over time until about 36 weeks, peaks at about 36 weeks. So that's why you need um, uh, more um, protein. The amount of lactose is lower in premature breast milk, which makes sense because they can't process it it as well. Um, And there is more cholesterol in breast milk as compared to formula. However, there is less cholesterol in preterm milk as compared to term milk. And that's mostly 
because of still immaturity in the in the maternal duct system um, at getting cholesterol into the milk. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about cholesterol in milk, because I don't think it comes up anywhere else, is that it is independent of maternal diet. So when they looked at moms yeah. um, all across the world, um, the cholesterol ratios were pretty similar, um, even though their diets were were vastly different. I've and never so, seen a question. I've never seen a question about that, but it feels like such a great question to question. ask. You know, yeah. like a mother exactly. that's on a that has a high cholesterol type of diet, and you would ask, like, would there would would her milk mm-hmm. be higher mm-hmm. in cholesterol content? Uh, well, technically, no. It's independent, as you said. So that's I thought that was very testable. Absolutely. Even if yes. I haven't seen it. <laughs> so maybe maybe this year. Yeah. Uh, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> we don't make any questions, obviously. <laughs> so um, E, um, coming back to that, the preterm breast milk uh, does contain more long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids. And just as a reminder, un- the unsaturated fats are felt to be our healthier fats. They really help maintain membrane fluidity. And so if you remember, lots of membranes are being um, or should be uh, being created during that time. And so we have more of those uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids. Okay. Okay. All right, Daphne. The next question is question 20. Um, it's a short one. Compared to four milk, hind milk contains A, equal amount of protein, B, less fat, C, less protein, D, more lactose, or E, more protein. So in terms of test-taking strategies, so this answer choices has equal amounts of protein, less protein, or more protein. So one of those has to be the right answer, (laughs) um, even if you don't really know the question. Um, But uh, hind milk contains more fat than four milk. You know, when you, when you're get pumped milk, it's first kind of clear looking, and then it turns uh, uh, whiter, whiter, whiter. That's the fat component. Um, More uh, lactose. No, there's more lactose in the four milk um, because uh, the body wants to make sure that babies um, get kind of those simple sugars first um, because they're easier to utilize. So then you have to make a decision about protein. And... um, I know this only because I've been confused many, many times. I thought the protein uh, did the same thing that the fat did, but it does not. There's actually equal amounts of protein um, throughout the, let's say, breastfeeding cycle or pumping cycle. Yeah, that's correct. The answer is choice A, equal amount of protein. I think you said everything I was going to say, which is that the four milk has higher amount of lactose, high milk has a higher uh, fat content. I think the protein thing can be a bit confusing because Mm -hmm. technically, and if you go back in the Brodsky book series, they do mention this, like the hind milk has a high protein content. So it's not poor in -hmm. protein content. It's high in protein content, but nonetheless, it is not more protein than four milk compared to four milk. They're equal. And that's, that's, that's in my opinion where it's such a pitfall. So Four milk versus hind milk, equal amount of protein, but nonetheless, do not uh, mistake that to think that there's low amount of protein in hind milk. There's a high protein content in hind milk. But compared to two, they're they're the same. Okay. Question 21. Still talking about (laughs) 
Fat and milk. Here we go. Which of the following statements about the fat content of human milk is incorrect? A, cholesterol is a negligible component of breast milk and varies by maternal diet. Womp, womp, womp. You (laughs) thought we were not going to touch on that topic again. I know. Shame on me. Uh, You made me doubt because I was like, I thought there was another question. But but I've been so all over the place the whole week that I was like, maybe she's right. Maybe I read it somewhere else. (laughs) All right. Well, B, fat is responsible for 50% of the caloric content of breast milk. C, human milk contains lipases to aid in fat digestion and absorption. D, human milk contains substantial amounts of long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids. E, triglycerides are the most variable component of breast milk dependent on gestational age and maternal diet. So this is a really, have you been listening question? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, I'm going to venture a guess and say that the incorrect choice is choice A, cholesterol is a negligible component of breast milk. First of all, that's not true. And varies by maternal diet, which, yeah, if you were paying attention a few minutes ago, we just said that. It doesn't. It's independent of maternal diet. But Daphna, walk us through that again. Yeah. So obviously cholesterols are are really important for growth, um, also production of bile salts and the production of the steroid hormones. Um, So it's really, really important to have lots of cholesterol in human milk. Um, It has a constant concentration in breast milk and uh, like we said, is independent of maternal diet. So moms all over the world or lactating people all over the world um, have similar concentrations of, of, uh, cholesterol. Um, fat is responsible for 50% of the caloric content of breast milk. So that's correct. Human milk contains lipases to aid in fat digestion and absorption. Also correct. Uh, the human milk contains substantial amounts of long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids, still true. And then the most variable component of human milk is the triglycerides, um, which are dependent on gestational age and maternal diet. The other things that we see in high quantities in human milk are carnitine, um, inositol, which we haven't talked about, but is really important for cell membrane synthesis, surfactant production, and retinal development, um, and choline, um, which is really important for the central nervous system development. So you may notice that formulas are starting to be also supplemented, the new derivatives with these uh, few items. Okay. Do we have time for some more? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm taking you to question 22. Daphna, in order to prevent negative nitrogen balance, negative energy balance, and catabolic metabolic state, protein should provide what percentage of kilocalories in parenteral nutrition? Choice A, less than 5%. Choice B, 7 to 15%. Choice C, 20 to 25%, choice D, 30 to 50%, or choice E, more than 50%. Yeah, unfortunately, this is just one of those uh, rote memorization questions. So um, protein should be 7 to 15%. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I knew that because I'm working on finishing up my nutrition app, which is going to be called NICU Diet. Mm. It's coming out in about a month or so on the App Store. Uh, So yeah, I'm very much (laughs) in that topic these days. Um, But the tricky thing here is 
we're talking about the minimum. Like this is minimum, minimum, right. like to avoid having negative nitrogen balance. And like you said, uh, seven to 15% is the, the minimum required from um, protein. Uh, and, and what does that look like? So in, in preterm infants, that means about 2.5 to 3.5 grams per kilo of protein. And in full terms, 2 to 2.5 grams per kilo of, of protein. Now, when it comes to these other answer choices, I think it can be a little bit tricky. Um, 30 to 50%, that's lipids. So we want a baby's diet to be composed 30 to 50% of fat, right? And remember that fat uh, contributes to a significant amount of calories in a baby's daily uh, diet with about nine, uh, nine kilocalories per gram. And then carbohydrates is a huge component of, of nutrition. And that would be choice E, where the range really is 35 to up to 65% of um of your daily, uh, of your daily uh, kilocalories uh, percentage. Now, uh, yeah, so in that answer choices, you have the three main components of your kilocalories. You have the proteins, 7 to 15%, lipids, 30 to 50%, and then the carbohydrates, 35 to 65%. Remember, um, proteins contribute four kilocalories per gram, and then I guess, carbohydrates, dextrose. Do you remember what is the kilocalorie value of dextrose? It's nine. No, that's lipids. Oh, you're right. It's 3.4. Thank you, 3.4. <laughs> no worries. We'll cut that out. Don't worry. Um, yeah, that's that's it. This is uh, yeah. question 22. I remember protein um, gives you four kcals of energy because I imagine it's somebody flexing their bicep. It gives you a number four. That's how I remember. <laughs> and um, dextrose, 3.4. And then fat gives you the most uh, is nine. Okay. Okay. Let's do one more. Ready? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Question 24. Which of the following statements about trace metals and iron is incorrect? A, chromium plays a role in carbohydrate and lipid metabolism, though clinical deficiency remains to be described. B, copper is critical for red blood cell production. C, iron should not be included routinely in parental nutrition preparations because of its potential to suppress immune function and generate free oxygen radicals. D, selenium is important for proper axonal development in the central nervous system. Or E, Zinc is a vital trace element important for bone development. Right. Walk in the park now. Mm. This is a walk in the park. Which one is incorrect? Chromium. You remember the Hershey kiss, kisses and the carbohydrate and uh, glucose metabolism. So that's okay. Copper. We said red blood cell production. We talked about the penny that looks like a red blood cell. Easy. Iron should not be included routinely in parental nutrition. Go check your TPN bag, see if there's some iron in it. You'll see it's not there. And <laughs> I have worked on the nepogen on the on the erythropoietin protocol, and IV iron is a is a nightmare to deal with. So, um, so yeah, that that I sort of knew was um, was actually accurate. That iron should not be routinely included in TPN. Um, choice D, selenium plays an important role for proper axonal development in the CNS. We said that selenium, especially its deficiency leads to cardiomyopathy. So that, that doesn't add up uh, in terms of at least the system uh, the system interaction between the, the trace element and, 
and the, the outcome there. And finally, zinc for bone development. We, we discussed that before already um, and for growth as well. So yeah, my answer is, my answer is D. Selenium has nothing to do with, with uh, axonal development. Yeah, that's correct. And you did a great review of the other things. I think the only things uh, maybe we haven't touched on um, yet uh, is that along um, with selenium, uh, zinc, copper, chromium, manganese, molybdenum, and iodine, uh, they are um, essential trace elements. And so those should be con uh, included in TPN preparations. Um, but not iron. And then selenium, though it is not important for exonal development in the central nervous system, it is a component of the glutathione peroxidase um, and it regulates the enzymes activity, which helps protect the body from oxidant uh, damage. Um, and I think you did a pretty good review of what everything else does. So I think that's it for today. Um, let me just say one more thing because I want to mention that somewhere. Hold on. All right, Daphne, yeah, one more thing before we go. I wanted to uh, mention two things about trace element because I think these are um, super testable items. And so in parenteral nutrition cholestasis, so in TPN cholestasis, uh, there's a few trace elements that you should reduce and some of them and some and one that you should increase. So in TPN cholestasis, you decrease manganese and copper and you boost up your zinc. So again, in TPN cholestasis, you decrease manganese and copper and increase zinc. And in the case of renal insufficiency, uh, you should decrease the chromium and selenium content of your trace elements. So these are, I guess, very important to remember because these are easy questions to draft mm -hmm. and, and, and something you just have to know. And since we're talking about trace elements, I think people could find this valuable. Yeah, and totally clinically relevant, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. okay. See you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.